This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. 1 to 10. Hear the word of the Lord. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for this wonderful truth. As we look into your word, we see who you are. And as we see who you are and what you have done for us, we begin to understand who we are and how we relate to you and what you are working in our lives to accomplish. And we thank you for the relationship we have with you, the personal relationship we have with you through faith in Jesus. Speak to us now by your Holy Spirit as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This series through Ephesians is called ID Check, and it is a study of Ephesians where we see our identity in Christ. Now, I want to do an exercise with you Perhaps you have a piece of paper and a Bible. I want you to take a piece of paper, and I want you to put it right inside your Bible. All right? Now, when you put that piece of paper in your Bible, the paper is in the Bible. Right? Now, what's true of this Bible is true of this paper. So if this paper, uh, this Bible, is placed on this stand... The paper is now on that stand because it's in the Bible. And the example here is of you and me. 
when we receive Christ, we're placed in Christ. And what's true about Christ is now true about us. There's a union with Christ. So we have died to our sin in Christ. We have been raised to newness of life in Christ. And we're going to see that we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. All because we have been taken out of the realm of being in Adam and we're now in Christ. Does that make sense? All right. With that illustration, let's then look at our ID. You are God's masterpiece in process. And I want some of you who feel like you are unworthy, you have struggled with low self-esteem and, and negative thoughts about yourself, I want you to quit that. I want you to say to yourself what the Bible teaches you are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece in process. And sometimes we have a, a conflict. We have cognitive dissonance, if you will, because we think we're just a piece of junk. And then the Bible says, you're a masterpiece. So which is it? Well, when my mind thinks something and the Word tells me something else, I've got to believe what the Word says. Why? Because the Word is God's love letter to you and me. The Word is what tells us how we really are. It speaks of spiritual reality. Therefore, if I feel I'm a hunk of junk, and the Bible says I'm a masterpiece, I have to repent of my negative thinking about myself, and I have to believe what God says about me. Amen? All right. So there's three things about this message. You are God's masterpiece and process through Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. We're going to see what you were, what you are, and what you will be. So that's the outline. What you were in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 what you are now in Ephesians 2, 4-9, and what you will be in Ephesians 2, 10. Let's look at this together. In 1-3, to it says what you were. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So right here we see that Paul is writing to the Christians in the city of Ephesus and he's reminding them of their B.C. days, their days before Christ, before they had trusted in Christ as their Savior and Lord. They were spiritually dead. Do you know when you're born physically, you have a soul and a body, but you do not have a spirit. You're spiritually dead. Why is that? It's because Adam sinned. Because Adam sinned, we are spiritual stillborns. We are born spiritually dead. Now, the word dead means unresponsive. If there was a corpse and we were poking it, 
it wouldn't be yelling and saying, ouch, stop that. Because it would be dead. It would be unresponsive. So we were spiritually unresponsive to God before we received Christ. We were spiritually dead. And we were dead in our transgressions and sins. Our rebellion against God or our ignoring God or our passive indifference towards God, taking him for granted, all of that contributed to our lack of responding to him. And this was a pattern for us that we used to have. We used to live in this pattern. And so we see here the spiritual battle, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we were dead in our flesh. We were dead because we followed the ways of this world. And we were dead because we followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We were spiritually dead, and we were hopelessly controlled by our sinful desires, by the message of the world, the cosmos, which is organized uh, so that you don't have to reference God. Solomon talked about this in Ecclesiastes, saying, I wanted to see what there was under the sun. Under the sun is living life with only a horizontal dimension, with no vertical dimension towards God. And Solomon, after studying pleasure and prestige and power and prosperity, came to the conclusion, it's vanity of vanities. You may follow the world, you might be successful as Solomon was. His garden was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Talk about the most gorgeous garden ever, and yet he was dissatisfied. He was empty inside. He called it meaningless, meaningless. So to have only a horizontal dimension in your life with no connection to God, you may be successful, you may be accomplished, you may have all sorts of titles and degrees, but you're empty without Christ. And that's what Solomon found out. Well, we were slaves of the world. When the world and Satan said, jump, we just said, how high would you want me to jump? And it goes on to say that we were all living among non-Christians with the same problem of slavery to their flesh, to the world, and to the devil. We were gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following their desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, why is this important for Paul to lay it out? Because you can't appreciate the good news of the gospel until you understand the bad news of our sin. If we say, well, I'm not that bad. I, I only sinned once in a while. You, then you don't appreciate how much Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin. You don't realize how much Christ has made a difference in your life. So we have the black backdrop of our sin and our hopelessness and being enslaved uh, by these elements and being spiritually unresponsive to God's, being spiritually 
dead. Now here is the turning point from what you were to what you are now in Ephesians 2, 4-9. But there is your word of contrast. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So praise be to God that even though we were in a deplorable and uh, hopeless situation, God intervened. God did something about it. God motivated by his great love. Now you need to know, God is love. That's what the Bible says. But he is not only the essence and embodiment of love, he has great love towards us, his creatures. And his great love is also reflected by his richness in being merciful, that is, in being willing to forgive. And so because of that, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that whoever should trust in him would be receiving that mercy, be forgiven of their sins, and be made spiritually alive, be born from above, be born by the Spirit. He made us alive with Christ. So we were spiritually dead, and he resurrected us. So here you have a soul, you have a body, and the moment you trusted in Christ, boom! You became a new creation in Christ. The old passed away, the new has come, and now you're spiritually alive. You're spiritually able to respond to God. And this is the new covenant. The prophet Jeremiah spoke about the new covenant, and he said, one day, I will take out your stony hearts and I will replace them with hearts of flesh. And that's another way of saying you were spiritually dead and you were not responding to God with a stony heart, but he did heart surgery on you, removed that stony heart, and gave you a heart that beats after him, a heart that responds to him, a heart that uh, is able to connect with God spiritually. God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Right there, you can't help but sense what grace is. If we were completely dead, completely hopeless, completely enslaved by our flesh, the world, and the devil, but God intervened, but God showed his great love, but God showed his rich mercy to us, and he made us alive even when we were dead. Is that not grace? Is that not God's unmerited favor? Is that not God's saving intervention and his loving rescue of the helpless and the hopeless? Right there, we sing praise to God and we sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So the synonym for being made alive, being resurrected with Christ, is that you have been saved. The word saved is that we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We've been saved from eternal separation from God. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. We're being saved from the power of sin. And we're going to be saved from the 
presence of sin altogether one day. Praise God. Hallelujah. What a Savior. But it doesn't stop there. What are you now? You are alive in Christ. You're responsive to God because he made you alive in Christ. But God didn't stop there. God raised you up with Christ, and he seated you with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable, incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now this is where it gets even more profound. Remember that piece of paper I told you to put in the Bible? When you're in Christ, you not only were in union with Christ and experienced all that is true about Christ is true about you, so therefore you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, and you were seated with Christ in heaven. Spiritually, you are in heaven with Christ right now. Even though spiritually you're here as well, there's a part of you that's up in heaven as a done deal, as someone who has been saved by the grace of God. I spoke recently at Sycamore Glen, uh, excuse me, at the lodge, and did a Bible study where I said this. Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23 and 24. Now to him who is able to sanctify you through and through, body, soul, and spirit, be all glory. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Jude 24, 25. Now to him who is able to present you in his presence with exceeding joy, keep you from stumbling, and, pres and, pres and present you before his presence with exceeding joy, be all glory, praise, and honor forever. This is the message of God saving us and bringing us all the way through. And so I talked about Romans 8. In Romans 8, it says, Now those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he sanctified. And those he sanctified, he glorified. And the glorified part is in the aorist tense, meaning it's something that's already happened. So in other words, as far as God is concerned with you, he chose you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He has saved you to the uttermost already, and now what you're doing is walking through the process. It's the mop-up. So you had a terrible disease. Let's say you had COVID-19, and it looked like you were a goner. But Jesus was the cure, and now you're getting better and better, and your health, being completely healed, is guaranteed. Does that make sense? The point being that it's all God working so that he gets all the glory and all the praise. And so one day we are going to be in his presence as the trophies of grace. And what does it say here? He's going to get all the praise because everyone's going to see how his 
incomparable riches of grace were expressed to us in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Everyone's going to see this is by the grace of God that we were saved, that we're here in heaven, that we belong to the family of God. So Paul is so taken by this, he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And even this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Can you see the emphasis? It's all God, because all glory goes to God. Can I take even an ounce of credit? No. Even the faith to believe was given by the grace of God that I trusted in Christ. And it was a gift from him. And it's not by my achievements, it's not by my merits, it's not by my resume, it's not by my riches, it's not by my religious practices. None of these things save me. What saved me is God's grace and his grace alone. Who gets the glory? God does. So now we can see what we were, what we are now, and now what you are and will be. Notice this. In light of everything I just said, Paul writes, for we are, present tense, God's handiwork. Remember that I said you are saved already to the uttermost and you can bank on that? So when Paul says, what's your identity now? He says you are God's handiwork. The word for handiwork is masterpiece. You are God's work of, of greatest uh, beauty and craftsmanship. You are the piece de resistance that God has done already right now. And yet, you're in process of living it out, of working it out. So positionally, you have been declared 100% righteous in the eyes of God. But practically, you are working out the journey of learning what it means to live a righteous life before God. So you are God's masterpiece. And again, God does not make junk. He makes beautiful, something beautiful out of your life. And you were created in Christ Jesus to do these Holy Spirit-prompted acts of service in love for other people, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So God knew who you would meet, what the needs are that would be having to be uh, 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 completed, and he is working in you and through you to do those good works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith, by God's grace. But when we're saved by faith, by God's grace, we want to serve the Lord, and good works prompted by the Holy Spirit are a natural result of a living faith. You've got both sides. Paul saying you're saved by grace alone, and James saying 
your faith is not alone, it's accompanied by works. So works are not earning our salvation, works or serving others in love is an evidence of our salvation. We don't try to impress God and earn his favor and pleasure. We already have God's favor and pleasure, and we serve him out of the fact that he already approves of us. We already belong to him. We already are secure in him. And because nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, we want to live for him. We want to be obedient to his word. We want to let him shine through us. Right? All right. So this is the fact that you are God's masterpiece in process. What you were was dead and do wrath. That was our BC days. But God intervened. What you are now is you're saved, you're raised with Christ, and you're seated with Christ. Everything that was true about Christ is true about you. And what you are and will be right now, even, you are God's masterpiece, and you are becoming more each day God's masterpiece. You are living it out. So the Bible says when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. That's when the, uh, the job will be completed and we will be in the presence of the Lord forever. So how do we respond to uh, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10? I have a prayer here that I think is very uh, apropos. I'm going to read it first and then I'm going to invite you to pray with me. It says, God, I thank you for loving me so much that you gave your very own son, Jesus, to take upon himself the wrath for my sin that I deserved. I receive now your divine pardon for my sinful treason against you, made possible by Jesus' shed blood on the cross. I receive your gift of eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Thank you that I am your masterpiece in process. If you're willing to pray that prayer, let's pray that out loud together. God, I thank you for loving me so much that you gave your very own son, Jesus, to take upon himself the wrath for my sin that I deserved. I receive now your divine pardon for my sinful treason against you, made possible by Jesus' shed blood on the cross. I receive your gift of eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Thank you that I am your masterpiece in process. Amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 
892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.